All right, good morning, H2O. I hope you guys are doing well. Kind of a heavy video to start off there. Um, and uh, yeah, like you saw at the end there, we're in the middle of our series called Messy Church. Um, and even uh, really this week, we're going to be discussing 1 Corinthians 6, the end of 1 Corinthians 6. And based on the content of the video, you can already guess uh, what we're talking about. And uh, honestly, for me, I'm not really sure that I've ever had to preach on such a sensitive topic as uh, something like sexual sin. Uh, and even after watching that, I know my heart is heavy. I know that this is a topic that uh, needs to be addressed really seriously uh, and then also addressed really gently. Um, gentleness is not something that I am always the best at. I'll confess that. Um, I, I, there have been weeks where Grant has kind of encouraged me uh, to, to, to make sure people know that they're loved while I'm kind of being blunt or, or challenging in some of the things that I'm saying. Uh, and so I'm going to do my best to preach both honestly and truthfully and then at the same time uh, gracefully and gently about such a difficult topic. And so Let's pray, uh, because I know that God really desires to speak here today. Um, I know that he has a lot to say to the people that are here in this room, and uh, I want to do my best to share what needs to be shared and then kind of get out of the way so that God can speak to your own hearts. So uh, let's pray. God, uh, we desire for you to meet us here. God, we want you to be here with us today. We want you to speak to us. We want you to um, both, both challenge and encourage. We, we need you to uh, speak to us in the way that we need to hear from you, God. Uh, we pray that uh, you would uh, speak clearly and loudly. And uh, yeah, Lord, we just, we love you so much, God. We thank you for being a God that loves us and desires us um, and, and says even hard things uh, where they need to be said, God. Uh, we love you, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 6. Like I said, we're going to start in verse 9. Uh, if you want to turn there, if you have a Bible, that, that'll be a good place to go. Um, we're going to have the text up on the screen. I, I typically reference the text throughout, so sometimes it's really good to have it in front of you, um, either in your Bible or in your Bible app, so it's up to you. Uh, beginning in verse 6, it says this. I'm sorry, beginning in verse 9. Um, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or anyone practicing homosexuality, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will do away with both of them. The body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? So should I take a part of Christ's body and make it part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? For scripture says the two will become one flesh. But anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual immorality. Every sin a person can commit is outside the body. On the contrary, the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. 
for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. All right. So there's a a lot going on in this passage, a lot of it really difficult to hear, Um, much of it also healthy for us to hear uh, and and ripe with challenge that we need to hear. And and so like we already talked about, the topic for today is going to be sexual sin, and and this is something that's really difficult to discuss and talk through. And it's not difficult because uh, the scriptures are unclear or because I don't want to step on people's toes or because I want to, uh, you know, make sure that uh, your feelings aren't hurt or anything like that, but it's difficult because much like the city of Corinth that Paul is writing to, that this letter is written to, uh, sexual struggles are, are very much rampant in the church in America, but especially rampant, I would say, in the lives of young Christians like yourselves. Our culture doesn't do much in the way of helping with this. Uh, I don't need to tell you how sexualized our culture is, or especially the culture on a college campus. You guys are very much a part of that. It's become the social norm to sleep with a significant other um, or be involved in a type of hookup culture. Uh, So much so that the RAs in the dorms are often armed with contraceptives because they know and expect their residents to be sexually active while they're in college. Uh, The TV shows that we watch and the media that we consume are no different. Uh, It's difficult to find a well-made TV show or movie that has like a good plot uh, that doesn't have some sort of sexualized content in it. Uh, Again, it's become normal in our culture to the point where I think that it's expected that we would see things like this in the media that we consume. It's difficult to look at just about any social media without occasionally, uh, accidentally stumbling upon something that's sexualized and unhealthy for us to to lay eyes on, uh, creating even more stumbling blocks and temptation for people who are trying to live pure lives. And so it, it is no wonder that, frankly and unfortunately, I expect that the young men and women that are attending our church, most of you, Uh, either have struggled with or still do struggle with some form of sexual sin. That is, I expect most of you in this room have either dealt with this in the past or are currently dealing with it. And I think when that kind of sin is present, it very much kind of rings with the sentiments of Paul in Romans 7 when he says, I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. And when that's true and we're experiencing that, along with that comes a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and a lot of hopelessness, kind of like the things that you saw in the video that we just showed. Lots of of really raw feelings of shame and guilt and hopelessness. One person talked about how they saw this stuff in their life and it kind of made them question whether or not they actually loved God, Um, probably question whether or not they're actually a genuine Christian. It's not an uncommon thought. And I think that that's why this topic is so difficult to discuss. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to dig into the text that we have before us uh, and really kind of try to see what it is that the Lord has to say about this because there are some things uh, here that are going on that I think we need to put our feelings aside and kind of um, hear from the Lord and what he, has to, uh, what he has to say about a lot of this. And, and some of that is going to be challenging and, and some of that I hope is encouraging, uh, but, but either way, Uh, God is a God of love and healing. He loves you. He cares about you. Um, Whether or not you're somebody that is uh, currently dealing with this or ever has, I think this is relevant for you uh, because if you're invested in the lives of other people around you, uh, you will at some point encounter somebody that's dealing with this. And, and, And they may need to hear some of this truth. And so what we're going to do is we're going to address some of the lies that I think Paul is either 
um, directly or indirectly addressing in this text. But before we even get into those, I want to give a couple kind of disclaimers. Uh, The first thing is this. When we're talking about sexual sin, what we're talking about is sexual conduct and lust outside of the covenant of marriage. Uh, scripturally, marriage is the only space where sex is good and godly and healthy. Um, and, and so when we talk about sexual sin, we're not talking about that, but everything outside of that, right? Like sex is not inherently bad. It's a good gift from God that is, is meant to enjoy in a very specific context. And when we operate outside of that, uh, things don't work as they're intended. So that's the first disclaimer. And the second disclaimer is this. Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church. And so that means many of the things that he addresses, he addresses directly to people that have expressed faith in Jesus and are actively seeking to pursue and follow Jesus. I'm going to do the same. Uh, And so if you are are not a professing believer, if you're not somebody that's actively trying to follow Jesus uh, and not somebody that has made Jesus Lord and Savior over your life, not everything that I say is going to apply directly to you. Um, And so just be aware of that, but that may be able to even help you understand and see uh, what, what the Christian life looks like, if that's where you're at. So, all right, those are my kind of two disclaimers. Uh, So the first lie is this, everything is permissible. Everything is permissible. That's lie number one. Um, And so another way to put it is that your sin is okay. And so you you might be in this space if uh, you are really apathetic to the fact that something like this exists in your life. Um, You don't make active um, uh, choices to run from this, to fight this kind of sin in your life. The Corinthian church had this saying uh, that isn't entirely false, but also isn't entirely true. And, and Paul kind of quotes it in here. He, uh, they say, everything is permissible for me. Some translations say, all things are lawful for me. And, and the reason they said this is because they understood God's grace to, to be something that covers all. And, and so by that rationale, they felt like, ah, I could do whatever I, I want, Right? And it seems that they're using this kind of logic and this mindset to really, in a way, abuse God's grace. Uh, Paul kind of addresses this by sort of getting at the idea, you know, saying like, yeah, you're not entirely wrong, but you're also not right, really. And so he quotes them um, by saying, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is helpful. And he says it again, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be brought under control by anything. And so he's pointing out that, yeah, in a way, you're right. Like, you're not totally wrong. Uh, If you're in Christ, God is forgiving of your sin. That's true, uh, right? His wrath was poured out on Jesus. That's true, but we ought not to abuse that grace that's given to us and live in our sin and be okay with our sin. We ought to be warring against it. First, because it's dishonoring to the God that we love and serve. Right? Like God died to free, to free you from these things, right? And so, so we, we ought not to just be okay with them in our lives. But then second, uh, because uh, these kinds of sins don't do any good for us, right? Like sin isn't good for our lives. Like God didn't fun- create us to function with sin in our lives, right? Like the, the reason certain things are sinful aren't just because God's trying to like take away your fun or something like that, okay? Like, like a major reason why they're sinful is because they're not good for you. God didn't design you to work that way. And so Paul even goes on to explain how sexual sin is especially harmful to us because it's sinning against our own body, 
And, And so he's not saying, hey, like this is worse. He's not saying sexual sin is worse than other sins. But what he is saying is that that affects us very differently than other sin. Okay? It has a different effect on us. It's not necessarily worse in the eyes of God. And so he even quotes Genesis by talking about how in marriage, and and in this case, sex, because uh, sex is intended to be in the context of marriage, uh, that the two that partake in such a thing will become one flesh. He's quoting that from Genesis. And so there's this strange and unique connection between our spirit and our body that makes it so that when we sin against our body, it seems to affect us in a very different way. I don't know what that looks like, right? This side of heaven, I don't know what that connection looks like. And so in this letter, Paul is trying to make it really clear that God, he's a forgiving God, right? Like if we believe in Christ, the penalty for our sin was laid out on Jesus on the cross, and yet that we should not abuse that grace and go on sinning because it's dishonoring to God and because it's harmful to us. Uh, This idea is really expressed well, I think, in 1 John 2, uh, verses 1 through 2. It says this, my little children, right, like talking to you guys, people that believe in Jesus, you're children of God. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Right? And so that's to say, like, hey, if you are in Christ, we ought to be running far, far away from the sin in our lives. We, we should strive to live righteous and holy lives, and yet, if we're in Christ, if we should fall, we, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. That's true. And, and so, hear me when I say this, because I think this is really important. If, if what I just said is true, that means <laughs> that, that you are completely free to, to fight your sin and to work hard at living a holy life without having to strive to earn God's love, to earn God's acceptance, to earn his grace. You can't earn that anyways, even if you tried. Even if you were trying really hard, you can't earn something like that. That's freely given to you in Christ. If you believe in Jesus, you are granted that grace. And so when we work hard, at living righteously, living righteous lives as a love offering to God. We can do that in a sort of freedom, one that doesn't involve any kind of fear, like, ah, if I fail, is God going to forsake me? We don't have to have these kinds of thoughts. If I sin, am I going to stand condemned? If you are in Christ, that doesn't apply to you, and so you have this sort of freedom to work at your sin and yet still have the grace of God. Um, This leads me, I think, to the next lie, lie number two. You will never be free from this struggle. You will never be free from this struggle. To give you some background on myself, uh, I struggled with sexual sin in my own life uh, for about 10 or 11 years before I started to see any meaningful progress. Um, half, probably about half of that was even after I became a Christian and started to invite others into some of that space. 
and, uh, and I still was not seeing uh, a ton of success in that. Uh, I started to see a lot of significant change in other parts of my life. Like I, I desired to love and serve and worship God. That was new for me when I was in college. A, a desire to make his name known, a deep thankfulness f- for Jesus that drove me to God daily. Um, I began to see God changing parts of my character for the better, like, like removing selfishness and, and challenging me to live humbly and you know, things like this, uh, even other sin. And yet, my struggle with sexual sin didn't seem to get any easier. It didn't seem to get any better. Uh, And so I think it's easy when you see that, especially over a long period of time, to to think, I don't know, maybe it's hopeless, maybe I'm stuck, maybe something's wrong with me, Uh, maybe I can't be free, maybe I'm doomed to always struggle with this. And that's not true. Paul, uh, in, in this section in 1 Corinthians, he's giving the kind of the imperative, the uh, command to flee, to run from our sin, right? And you see how that would be really pointless to command somebody to do something like that if they didn't have the ability to actually flee. It would be utterly ridiculous to say, hey, you guys need to run from your sin if that's not something you're capable of doing, right? And, and so... The reason Paul does this is, is why? It's because if you've given your life to Jesus, you have the Spirit of God inside of you, okay? You have the Spirit of God inside of you. Uh, Paul describes this Spirit in 2 Timothy 1. He describes it as a Spirit of power, love, and self-control, right? And, and so uh, this kind of Spirit enables us to run from our sin, to Uh, we don't have to engage with it anymore. He says this about us because of the Spirit. He says this in Romans 8. This will be up on the screen. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so, and so it's by the Spirit that we're able to put to death the deeds of the body, the deeds of the flesh. And, and some of us are going to read that and think to ourselves, ah, if I had the Spirit, maybe this wouldn't be in my life anymore. Maybe I wouldn't be struggling with this anymore if I were really a Christian. Maybe uh, this wouldn't be an issue in my life if I truly had the Spirit. And, and listen, I know men and women who, upon being saved, struggled significantly less or not at all with sexual sin upon being saved. And we could praise God for that. Like, that's amazing. And God is a God of healing. He does do things like that. Uh, But the reality is that's not the truth for all of us. That's not going to be the case for all of us. It's not God's plan for all of us. And so when Paul says, by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the flesh, it sounds like there's some effort on our part. And so to me, a couple things are clear. First, we aren't bound by our sin anymore if we're in Christ Jesus. If we uh, believe in Jesus, we're given the Spirit of God and we're no longer enslaved to sin. 
uh, Paul says that we are not obligated to, to entertain the uh, deeds of the flesh, the fleshly desires. And some of those things are going to be warring against us probably our whole lives, okay? But we are in no way obligated to indulge them. And so we are not bound by that anymore. And then the, the second thing that's clear to me is that it is by our Holy Spirit-driven effort that we're able to put to death these kinds of sins in our lives. This is a kind of partnership that we have. The Spirit isn't going to do all of the work for us, but he will enable us to fight, okay? And that is not a quick and easy process. For most of us, like not all of us are gonna nail it right out of the gate. But you learn, you, you learn how to live righteous and holy lives as a love offering to God. Uh, Paul says this in, in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Day by day. That is a process. To me, that sounds like a process. Every day, we are becoming more and more like Jesus as we learn to submit to his spirit, to submit to his guidance, his work in our lives. And so we learn to do this. We learn to, to love God by fighting our sin. We learn to do that, and, and not to earn our place with God in heaven or something like that, not to uh, earn God's love or anything like that. That was already given to us freely as a gift, but we do that because we love God and because it's, it's how he designed us to live. And so that's the second lie, um, really, that you will not be freed from this ever. Uh, the, the, the third lie is this. You are worthless because of your sin. And, and this is probably the weightiest of all of them. The easiest to, I think, believe when we're stuck in sin uh, in that video we watched, we saw lots of examples of people that felt worthless because of how uh, they fell in this area in their lives. They felt they had ruined themselves, their lives, their marriages. They felt they had ruined their relationships with God and they felt worthless, like they weren't people of value, un unlovable, unwantable, uh, undesirable. And, and even there, at just that snapshot, I see how sexual sin affects us differently, right? We see that that, it, I don't think a lot of those thoughts about some of the other things that I struggle with, right? And, and so where we err when we have thoughts like this is that we think that our value comes from something that we do. Uh, not something that we do wrong, but, but something we do in general. Um, an example of this, if I did something great, like, uh, like, like people knew me for something, like, like inventing electricity or, or running for president or something like that, to the world, that makes me a valuable person, right? Uh, I'm adding valuable value to the world, and so that makes me valuable, you know? Uh, when someone uh, famous for something dies, the whole world knows, it, it blows up the news, um, some people mourn for a person that they don't even know because of something that they did and it's something that they uh, thought was, was valuable, all because they were a valuable person because of what they did. But, but this is not what the scriptures teach us. The, the scriptures tell us that even our good deeds are like filthy rags before the Lord. And I gotta tell you that, that what God thinks about us has infinitely more value 
infinitely more say on your value uh, than, than what the world thinks or even what your brothers or sisters think about you. There is no act or multitude of acts, good or bad, that can determine your value. Um, I, I was watching a uh, sermon a, a little while ago. Uh, it's actually from a rapper named Lecrae. Have you guys heard of Lecrae? Many of you probably have heard of Lecrae. He, he's a, a Christian rapper. He used to be a lot more popular. Uh, he was very much like a pop culture or like a, a Christian pop culture artist and that sort of thing for a while. Um, he's still a Christian or a rapper, but he's, I don't know, less in the mainstream now, I'd say. Um, but I was watching a sermon from Lecrae. Uh, that he had preached in 2015. And he started talking about how he was in uh, Beverly Hills um, at, at one point in time for an event in LA. And uh, he needed to go to the store and get a t-shirt, just a regular t-shirt, plain, like a, like a Hanes white tee, you know, whatever. And so he went to this department store in Beverly Hills um, and, and he started to look around and he went to one of the racks and he saw a shirt and, and looked at the price tag and kind of thought to himself like, Oh, someone must have messed up. Like, they, they put the wrong price tag on this T-shirt. And so he put it back, and uh, he, he picks up another shirt from the rack. Same price, $640 for this T-shirt. And, and so he's thinking to himself, what kind of gold fabric is woven into this T-shirt that makes it cost $640, Right? What kind of gold, what kind of Hanes beefy tea is this, right? And so he, he went up to the clerk and he asked him to explain. He's like, why on earth, why does this shirt cost $640? Like he's, he's like, I need to know what's going to happen if I put on this t-shirt. You know, am I going to like, does it have some kind of strange healing powers in it? You know, am I going to uh, become like a super mutant or, or something like that if I put this t-shirt on? Is, is there some kind of material inside it that makes it so expensive? Uh, and the, the, the clerk was like, no, it's just cotton. It's got like a little bit of polyester in it. And so he's like, <laughs> he's like, so help me understand why does this shirt cost $640? And the clerk was like, it's the designer, man. He's like, the designer's name adds value to it. It's valuable because of who designed it. And Lecrae was like, do you understand that you're valuable because of whose name is on you? Paul was exhorting these Christians in Corinth to flee from their sexual sin. And one of the reasons why is in verses 19 and 20 uh, in 1 Corinthians, that it says, don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. And so, so we know that our value doesn't come from our rights and wrongs, our good deeds or our sins. But from God, God decided that we were valuable enough to be bought, and that price was not cheap. The Son of God, God in the flesh, the only one to ever have lived a righteous and holy and pure life, was sentenced to death on the cross. That was the price. And God thinks you're worth it. He thought you were worth it. You are valuable. His name is written all over you. 
He says in uh, verses 9 through 11, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, anyone practicing homosexuality, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. That's all of us. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And you see how it's true. None of us deserve to inherit God's kingdom. There's not a person in here that qualifies. Uh, but, but if we have faith in Jesus, that's not who we are. We aren't sinners, but we are washed. We are sanctified. We are justified in the name of Jesus. And this is good news. Good news. And so uh, with that, I want us to watch part two of, of the video that we showed at the beginning of service. Amen. And so, so you see how these people are people that, that get it, that, that see that, uh, that Jesus addresses all of these things. Our worth and our value is wrapped up in him and not the things that we do and what he's Instead, it's wrapped up in uh, what he says about us. And God wants to heal us of these wounds that we have from our past. And, and so just even thinking about uh, where to go from here, you see how a lot of these people are really vulnerable, and that's really brave of them and everything like that. Uh, that's not how vulnerable community looks like for most of us. You know, It doesn't always look like uh, getting on a video in front of the entire church, but uh, even just encouraging you to invite your brothers and sisters in Christ into some of these spaces with you. Um, James talks about how as we, we confess, we may be healed. And so like one of the, the, the uh, positive steps that you can even take is to invite people into that space, to, to confess, to uh, talk about some of these things so that your brothers and sisters may pray for you and encourage you to walk closely with the Lord. And I understand that that's scary, right? I understand that that's scary, but it's, it's, it's good. And then even more importantly than that, I just want to encourage you guys to, to think about the fact that um, if there are things like this in your life or in your past, I would encourage you most importantly to, to come to God about those things to lay them at his feet, acknowledge them, ask for help, ask for healing, for strength to fight, for wisdom on how to fight. God already knows these things and he loves you and he desires to walk with you in them. And so we have an opportunity to, to respond, to respond to the love of Christ that was laid out on the cross for us. You know, if you haven't already, you can invite Jesus into your life. Confess and repent and believe in him for the forgiveness of your sins. He loves you. Only through, through Christ and through his spirit can we be made free to walk in the newness of life. Uh, I want to end on this uh, in Isaiah 53.5. This is about Jesus. This is about Jesus on the cross. It says this, But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities, Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. Let's pray. God, Lord, you're good. God, you're so good. 
Lord, we know that you desire to walk with us, desire to um, speak to us in some of these difficult spaces, Lord. God, we know that we, like Laura said in that video, we don't deserve your love, but you give it to us freely. We're not deserving of uh, your grace and, and uh, of you sending your son to die for us on the cross. God, but you give that to us freely because you love us. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to believe that, God, and to walk in that, to invite you into what, what is a difficult and, and often painful space for a lot of us, what is a raw and uh, tough area to engage in for all of us, Lord. God, I pray that as a church, we would be gentle and loving towards those around us that are struggling, and uh, God, that we would be men and women that are constantly pushing each other closer to you in both holiness and in believing grace and truth, Lord. God, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. You're the best thing that's ever happened to all of us. Lord, we thank you for being uh, good and, and righteous and holy. Lord, we just uh, ask that you dwell with us here. Lord, help us to respond to you. In Christ's name, amen.